Well, Merry Christmas to everybody. Thanks for coming. Hope that it's a great uh, evening for you. I hope you get everything you were wishing for in the next few days. Uh, you'll notice just as you came in, in both of the foyers, there's um, a number of cards. We had testimony cards we gave out about a month ago, and we asked people to fill out testimonies of what God had done for you this year, because the theme of this sermon series has been God's goodness. And I know that for me, I said, my problem was not uh, writing out a testimony, the problem was which testimony to write out. And then we, we flipped those cards around, and we, and we wrote about dreams and prayer requests and things that we're trusting God for in the new year. So as you go out, you'll see <clears throat> uh, today they're turned up for all the testimonies that God did for us in this past year. And it was just profound. Uh, there was a, there's a stack of testimonies of the goodness of God made manifest to people all around us. So as you go out, just pause. Just read 10 or 20 of them. <laughs> Bless you. And then next Sunday, not, not in two days' time, but in about nine days' time, when we come back to church on the first uh, those will all be turned around. You can see what the aspirations and the dreams and what we're trusting God for in the new year. So it's going to be a good time. It's great to have you here with us. As we've said, we're continuing on in this little sermon series that we've been talking about, the goodness of God. And today I want to talk about God's goodness on display. We're going to look at a simple manger, hastily employed to put a newborn because there was nowhere else. Because there was no hotel room, there was nothing available. Uh, despite their plans, they walked into a city that was just galvanized and full, jam-packed because of a census that was required. There was nowhere for them to go. And the only place that Joseph could put his newborn son was he wrapped them up, swaddled them, and he put them in a manger. That was the only place. But that manger nestling a baby, which we celebrate every Christmas, is part of an eternal plan. God began... That plan many, many years before Jesus showed up on the earth. And God began to let his friends in on the plan. God is like that. He doesn't like to keep secrets. He shares secrets with his friends. Always does, always has, always will. So about 1,700 years before Jesus was born, God said to one of his ancestors, he said, uh, Jacob, Jacob had had 12 sons, and Jacob gets to the end of his life, and he calls his sons in Genesis 49. He called his sons together, and he said, gather around. Let me tell you what's going to happen in days to come, because God had given Jacob some idea. And Jacob prophesies. He says, let me tell you what's going to happen. The, the, the problem is that's only going to happen in 1,700 years' time. And uh, it's like if I said in 3723, uh, a child's going to be born, and they are going to change the world. You're going, well, that's not such great news. You know, my great, 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 1,700 years before it happened. About 740 years uh, before Jesus came, the prophet Isaiah prophesied his coming, and you just heard that scripture. He said uh, he's going to come, and he's going to just profoundly, he's going to have a government that never ends and keeps growing. Around about the same time, the prophet Hosea prophesied that Jesus, after he was born, would have to flee to Egypt. About 30 years after that, the prophet Micah prophesied 
that Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem. About 100 years after that, Daniel prophesied the exact time when Jesus was going to be born. And so you have these long lists of things that God whispered to his friends and said, listen, let me tell you. And so let me take you to that scripture in Isaiah. He said, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Micah said, But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. In fact, almost every aspect of Jesus' life was foretold long before he was born. His life, his birth, his ministry, his death, hundreds of years before he ever came. So many prophecies, in fact, were fulfilled by Jesus before he even had the opportunity to make up his own mind. Uh, the, the city he was born in, the tribe he was born to, the family he was born out of, the time he was born, the fact that people brought him gifts, that he was, had to be taken to Egypt because Herod wanted to kill him. All of these things were prophesied. So before Jesus ever made his own personal decision, he fulfilled hundreds of prophecies about himself. And all of that should speak to us uh, that God had a plan. This wasn't like God uh, responding to a current set of circumstances so much as God working out his plan. So every year when I look at the manger and I see this little baby boy hand coming out of a picture of a manger, I always look back to that and say, now that, that right there is evidence of God's good plan. Because before time began, that baby in that manger was inevitable. God had a dream for you. And God understood that for your worst, he'd have to give his best. God took the best that he had, and that was his own beloved son, the thing that he loved the most, the person that he most loved. And Jesus said, Father, I will go and pay for their sins. If my people sin, I will pay for them. And that was decided long before time began. And so it was inevitable that Jesus would come. And God didn't want him to come in a fat cat palace. He wanted him to be accessible to everybody on the planet. So Jesus came. And that first glimpse, the first physical glimpse of God's eternal plan was this baby born in a manger. The manifest proof of God's goodness. This was God in the flesh, as one of the prophets had said. This is Emmanuel, God who's come to be with us. And the angels celebrated, and they, they, as was in that song, but I want to read to you again in Luke 2. It says, but the angels said to him, do not be afraid. This is to the shepherds. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. Excuse me. What Jesus' birth screams to a watching world is that God's plan was to give his best to take care of our worst. Jesus came to show the Father's heart. Because the Bible says God so loved the world, not God so hated the world, not so God, God so wanted to judge the world, not so God so wanted to beat people up, but God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, the one that he loved the most, his best for our worst. This is the dream of God. 
And Jesus came to show us that Father's heart and to fulfill the eternal purposes of God and to save us all from Satan's power when we had gone astray, as the song says. Jesus, God's beloved, now made manifest the physical proof of God's goodness. People say to me, how do you know God is good? I go, look at that manger. That's God's goodness on display. That's God demonstrating to mankind, this is how much I love you. That's God saying, I can, I can make a plan before time began and stick to it. That's Jesus saying, I'm ready to come. See, what you don't see is the overshadowing cross, the shadow of the cross that comes on the top of that manger. Jesus was born to die for you and for me. But this is the first glimpse of the goodness of God. This is the first actual proof of it. There lies the proof of love, the willingness to give his best, the unchanging and eternal purpose of God. There lies goodness on display, a baby destined for a cross and eternal rulership. There, the fulcrum of time, the eternal focus of God, concentrated all in a tiny little space, God come to offer himself on behalf of anyone who would believe on him. To those who remain unsure, I say, look to that manger. There lies proof of God's plan. His commitment to bring you back to himself. There his heart is openly on display. See, the jury's still not out deliberating. God is not still deciding whether he wants to demonstrate his goodness to you. God already decided that. He already chose to be good towards mankind by giving us his son. That, that we remember. And that should be our proof. In order to facilitate us being able to be forgiven and washed and accepted, God already chose to be loving and forgiving and good. And so Jesus came as a spotless baby to sacrifice for the payment of our sins. You wonder if God's good? Look at the manger. You assume that maybe you're too far away. You've done perhaps too many bad things. You've disappointed yourself or others or him too many times. Look at the manger and understand God gave us his best. And his best will handle your worst. The Bible says it's not God's wrath that will lead people to repentance. It's God's kindness. It's not his meanness or his judgment or his anger. It's his gentleness and his kindness and his love that leads people to want to know him. Romans 2 says, Do you show contempt for his riches or his kindness or his forbearance or his patience? Not realizing that God is intending to lead you to repentance. By his kindness. The birth of Jesus gives us a massive cause of hope. It's great joy for all people. And the beauty is that this was God's eternal plan. Long before you lived, before you had an opportunity to sin, before you, you messed up or before you failed anyone or before you were in slavery and before your disappointments, God had already decided. He'd already sent his son to pay. God made a way because he loved you. And he loves you still. He sent his best to cover your worst. And that's what Christmas is all about. God's goodness and kindness on display, displayed for anyone who wants to see it. This was the one that was prophesied about for thousands of years. 
This is the one destined before time began. This is the only one in whom salvation can be found. This is the only way to God for man. This is the Savior of the world. Can you imagine that some people still use his name as a cuss word? Instead of bowing before him and saying, thank you. Jesus is God's goodness extended to you. Offered to you as a lifeline. The source of salvation and of life and abundance and the kindness of God. In just a moment, the worship team is going to come back up and we're going to worship Jesus. We're going to sing and honor and worship and praise him and celebrate his coming. I know there's some people in this meeting who maybe need to come home. Maybe some prodigals in the place. You used to be closer to God than you are now. And this is a moment to say, Lord, I'm coming home. Because I've seen, again, the demonstration of your goodness. And I want to come home. Maybe there's some people here who have never come to Jesus. And maybe this is the moment for you. Say, Lord, I get it. I'm asking you to forgive me. Receive me. I put my faith in you. Probably some people in this meeting whose lives haven't turned out quite like you wanted them to. You may have failed yourselves, and maybe you failed God. You know that. Well, tonight you have a chance to sort that all out. There's a moment for us now to call on God. The God who loved us that much that he sent his best. Every year at this time, we give generous gifts to a lot of people. We celebrate. We bless The season is full of excitement, and it ought to be. It ought to be the biggest celebration of mankind every year. Because this is God's goodness on display for you. If you want to come home, then as we worship, I'm going to invite you to look to heaven. I want you to call out to the Lord and say, Lord, I get it. I understand. Would you draw me to yourself? I'm coming home. Forgive me. Because you could walk into a new year completely washed and ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, brought back. And I guarantee you, that's the dream of God for you. Once you're close to Him. Tonight you have a moment. And it's an intensely personal moment between you and He. And if you want to draw near to Jesus tonight, as we sing... Maybe you've been far away. Maybe you haven't sung a song before. But as we stand and we sing and we worship, if you turned your eyes to the Lord and you dare to believe that God is just simply that good, that he'd sacrifice the best that he had so that he could take away the worst that you have, so that you can be made whole again. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that you so loved this world that you gave your only begotten son that whoever believes will not perish but will have eternal life right here is a moment in the next 10 minutes heaven bows down to listen to your prayers what do you want to say to Jesus as you worship him if you pray you draw near to Jesus 
and you mean it in your heart, I promise you, He will hear and receive you and answer you. Make this a Christmas moment when you come home, you come back to Jesus, or you come to Him for the first time. Let's worship together. Won't you stand with me, please?